Hello, everyone. This is Molly from the Casually Molly Podcast, and I just wanted to introduce you to my friends at the Natty Cat. This one is for you cool cats and kittens who can't get enough of wordplay and fur babies. The Natty Cat's natural soy candles feature inventive scent combinations and glass jars with clever kitties on the labels. Hand purred with locally sourced natural soy wax, the Natty Cat's candles woodwicks create a cozy fireside crackling sound, perfect for curling up on the couch. Remember, for all of your candle and scented oil needs, please visit our friends at the Natty Cat either on Facebook or Instagram. Have you ever wanted to get your shit together? Scrap it, look through the lens and capture it. But first world problems are getting you down. Disabled, salty, need an app to fix that frown. <laughs> well, you can do all those things and so much more. Just grab a seat in the chair or the floor. Sit back, relax, recline. She drops another casual line You're tuned into Casually Molly With Molly and Bergie Welcome back to the Casually Molly podcast. I am your host, Molly Ambergie. We are back in studio starting out season five, and we have got uh, all the way from Cincinnati, Ohio. Give it up for Tabari McCoy. Yay. And the <laughs> I'll crowd clap for goes you. mild. And the <laughs> crowd goes mild. Perfect. Oh, Tabari, how are you doing? Uh, how How is a, you know, I know that's a question of the year, but how are you? Right. So, Here's the funny thing for me, right? Like 2019 was a god awful year. It sucked. I had a day job that I did not like. And since I don't work there anymore, I can say it. I tried to teach people's kids. We are doomed. (laughs) Um, So uh, I'm spending my money now because the future, (laughs) no. Uh, The only future that I know of right now is a bad rapper who made a song called Mask Off. And with COVID going on, mask on. All right. These are not jokes. This is just how dumb my brain works. So audience, if you think it's going to be like this the whole episode, you're probably right. All right. Anyhow, um, so 2020 came around. I had like some gigs lined up, which is good. But like, you know, like a lot of comedians, I still have a day job because as I say on stage, the only Negro making money under six feet tall is Kevin Hart. And we don't know each other like that. So... Uh, I got a great new day job. I was going to be able to work remotely, work the road, work gigs, started that job. And then the next week, the world went to absolute hell like Ghostbusters won. And I've been working from home ever since. I was, I had some gigs I was supposed to do out in Oklahoma and Wichita, Kansas. Oh, wow. And then I was like, hmm, traveling to America's heartland as a pandemic happens, probably not the best investment. I like the clubs. I've performed there before. But I was like, you know what? We're just going to sit this one out. And I just slid into the bushes, Homer Simpson style. (laughs) Keeping it simple, yo. Oh, I was about to say, I know exactly what gif you're talking about. I've definitely used it for certain situations. Oh, it's it's the greatest gif ever. But to answer your original question, I am doing okay personally because it's like, it's so weird. I got a decent day job that was going to let me go work the road to try to establish myself. 
I was supposed to audition at my home club here in Cincinnati for the Just for Last Festival, mm -hmm. which is the biggest festival in the world, which used to give people careers. So I might not even have needed that day job, but I work in PR, so they could have been my PR agents, would have been a perfect marriage. And then the world was like, and hey, you like bats, right? Louisville Sluggers? No, this one. And then somebody ate it, and now we're all screwed. So <laughs> uh, it's weird. Like, this is the like I, I'm doing okay. Like I have a decent job. God, thank you know, thank you for that one. I don't know. I know I've probably done something to get this reversed, but hey, let's just keep thinking about the good stuff I did. Remember that time I donated to charity? Um, but like I'm doing all right right now for 2020. Um, but I know like so there's so many people that are like hurting and suffering, and I'm like, so it took a global pandemic for me to have a good year, and that's why I hashtag everything Black Charlie Brown. <laughs> Next question. You would think. By the way, some people are going to think that, like, this guy is, like, hyper and energetic. I'm much more chilled out, but, hey, it's a podcast. What do you want to have happen? Have <laughs> someone be halfway entertaining and upbeat or have me sitting here going, in fourth grade, I got dissed by a girl I brought candy to because she wasn't there that day. And that's a true story, too. But you know what? <laughs> the hell with that. We're going to move forward. <laughs> I like the attitude, though. I think uh, I think that's kind of what I've been trying to do, too, is being like, you know what? Because, like, as you know, I uh, got laid off from my job, like, last I week. I saw that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Of yes. course, the black guy comes on right after the layoff. I'm like, man, <laughs> Fox News is going to hate this episode, boy. Oh, it's all right. Well, I don't really like Fox News, so. <laughs> That's why I said it. I figured if you were willing to have me on, I pretty much can figure that one out. Oh, well, I was a journalism. like So I was a double major in communications journalism and theater. So I'm going to make a lot oh, of money. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> guess what? I have a master's degree in communication. Oh, all right. There you <laughs> yeah. go. I didn't and even you know finish my master's, master's, so it's okay. Oh, trust me. <laughs> If I hadn't gotten scholarships, neither would have I, because uh, <laughs> I have mastered the art of looking for jobs until my current company, thank you so much, hooked me up, because, uh, yeah, nobody cared. <laughs> oh, well, as you can see, for anybody watching, Tabari has a great personality. Um, Tabari, I actually wanted to have you on yeah. because, uh, yes, yeah, so... Spark Tabor, who has also been yes. on this podcast, also Cincinnati-based, yes. 513 yes. represent. Yes. Uh, He's now in Chicago. He was one of our four Negroes. Yeah. <laughs> and then you lost it. You lost one. Exactly. But, you know, he went on to bigger, he went on to big things. And, you know, Spark is a, he's still loyal to his hometown and he organizes that show every year during Christmas time over at Go Bananas, mm -hmm. another great club. And I couldn't do it the year before. So Spark, of course, was like, hey, can you can you do it this year? And I was like, yeah. So I, uh, I ended up going back home and my whole family was there. And you were the first one after Wayne, weren't you? Like you were the first one after the host? Probably. I can't recall <laughs> at this point in time. I know, it's right? It's all a blur. Because, <laughs> oh, wait, so, wait, are you talking about last year in 2019? Yeah, before everything oh. went to shit. Yeah. Oh, so you got super... <laughs> You got super depressed, Tabari. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm t like, I'm telling you, like, black people don't know. I'm not supposed to know who Morrissey is, but I don't, I don't own any of his albums, but I was getting close. That's how bad my 2019 was going. Uh, well, for any black people listening, um, if you want to know who Morrissey is, imagine a white dude at Hot Topic that doesn't ever get a break and he still lives with his parents. He's really upset about it. So there's that. Oh, man. <laughs> 
I, uh, well, you were really good. And I, I remember I friended Thank you me. on Facebook. Oh, you're so welcome. And I, I'm trying to get better at friending people on Facebook. So I was like, hey, and you sent me the nicest message. You were like, nice to meet your acquaintance. Um, if I ever like him out in St. Louis, I'll let you know. And then recently, like COVID happened. So I was trying to like mm -hmm. find new things to listen to. And I came across go thank you go bananas again. They they on Instagram showed mm -hmm. your album cover for your second album, Remarkable. Yeah. And I was yes. like, second album? Where's the first? So I went through Spotify and I looked you up and I saw Laughing with a Panther. And I was like, all right, yes. I'm gonna I have to fold some laundry and I'm gonna listen to the Tabari while I do it. Yes. And that's when I that messaged exactly you. That is exactly my demographic. That is my demographic. <laughs> Caucasian women that do laundry. That is my target <laughs> audience. It was, I mean, it was great. I honestly, cause you know, like I, I always get a little nervous because sometimes like people who send us things are always like, oh, you know, here's what I'm doing or this or that. And you know, you mm -hmm. don't know like who to trust and whatnot. And Tabari, yeah. you had, don't even, the thing is what I love about you is your humility. Like you don't even say anything. And then all of a sudden, like I'm on Spotify, I'm listening to this album. I'm cracking up because there's so much like truth to it, which is great. And um, then I listened to, cause I told you, I was like, I have to listen to them chronologically. So I listened to- I understand completely. <laughs> I understand completely. I listened except to Remarkable. Except for Star Wars, except for Star Wars, <laughs> right. things should be in chronological. And I'm not even a Star Wars fan, but even I know that those first three, those prequels are garbage. So I get it. <laughs> it was like, but it was, I was so glad I did because I got to listen to the first one and then the second one actually like I felt was pretty timely for everything that we have going on today, um, just in my opinion. Um, what I'll say is what I'd love <laughs> to know about yes. you getting to the comedy album, what I want to know is kind mm -hmm. of like where in your career did you say, or in just in your lifetime really, like where you were like, hey, when was the moment that you wanted to be a comedian? Like, did was it when you were young? Was it something like, for me, it was something that I fell into as I got older because I always liked performing. I just always, I wasn't really sure where to put myself and I felt comedy I was understand. a good place for that. Yeah. How, uh, how, how did it start for you? When were you were like, you know what? I want to be a comedian. And now all of a sudden okay. you have two comedy albums. What's happening? So, well, <laughs> Do you want the, excuse me, the water was hitting my throat in a certain fashion. I'm trying not to uh, do that on your podcast as that would be terrible. Um, do you want the uh, the short answer, the medium answer, or like the, okay, this is like the Netflix documentary episode part one answer. So I can do either, I can do any of the three. Let's just go big uh, or go home. Let's get this, uh, if okay. we were on Netflix right. right now, what would you be telling us? <laughs> I'd be telling y'all, I can't believe they let me be on here. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I would be telling everybody from junior high school through high school to suck it. Anyhow, um, so moving past that, do I have some past issues? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> okay. So um, I'm either killing it with your guests right now, or they're like, this dude is annoying, so let me scale it back. So here's the thing. Um, I've always said that I like comedy for two specific reasons. One, I feel that comedians are our last truth tellers in society. And in an era where a certain person that shall remain unnamed has coined the term fake news, which is that person's greatest contribution to our culture at this point in time, because ain't nothing else working. <laughs> um, 
uh, you know, I feel like comedians are like, there's a lot of truth that you can get out in a joke because life imitates art and art will in turn reflect life. So I like comedy for that reason. And the second reason I like comedy is that it's hard to, you know, be upset when you're laughing. You can see people that can cry from laughing, but you usually never see it in reverse. When you do see it in reverse, they're usually on A&E on one of their crime documentaries. So, you know, I, those are the two reasons that I like comedy. And I remember, you know, I'm an only child, as if this wasn't painfully <laughs> obvious. Golly, I'm so sad. Anyhow, um, I was a kid and we had a department store in Cincinnati back when department stores had electronics departments. And uh, that was a millennial test because everybody under 25 just went, <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. Wait till I get to cassette maxi singles. But um, <laughs> I was walking through uh, a department store with my mom and it's so sad because he was one of my heroes because he had to be. Um, Bill Cosby himself was oh. playing on the TV and mm -hmm. I don't remember anything about that i just remember that was like 83 or 84 i was about six or seven and i just remember watching that and while she was shopping whatever and just being in love with it because you know it was funny and it was just like oh this is engaging now and i've always liked doing stand-up when i was younger i used to go do uh mc battles like the movie eight mile and i know that yeah. for anybody watching the video feed for anybody watching the video feed i know that you're looking at me like there is no way that this dude can rap um, I can freestyle my ass off and uh, I can do it. I've done it on stage when doing jokes about stuff because I'm a word person. And when it comes to words, I'm a bit of a nerd. So you should understand what you just heard. See how I did that? Not even oh. trying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> now, don't worry. For people that are like, he's whack. I got bars. Challenge me. I'll ruin your life. Now, um, I used to go do MC battles because that was like my form of entertainment and whatnot. And I'm talking about like MC battles, like the ones in Eight Mile. Eminem was at an event that I had done the previous year, and I almost did it again. I didn't. And looking back, good choice. But uh, I used to be a newspaper writer back when newspapers were a business. Once again, for those of you that are under 25, newspapers are like iPads that were in paper that you would turn with your hand. So um, I did a story on the local comedy scene. And of course, not being in the scene at the time, I picked like some people to highlight that I shouldn't have and this and that. But hey, that's it was like six, 14, 15 years ago now. Because yeah. I mm -hmm. didn't know, you know, right. the way that I should have. As part of the story, I said, I'm going to go up and do an open mic because I've loved stand up, as I told you, since I was a little kid. Like, I'm like the only straight black dude that can probably talk to you about Kathy Ladman as much as he can Richard Pryor. Um, <laughs> like, like, I know Rita Rudner jokes, you know what I mean? Like, I, I have a wide arrangement of comedy taste because um, I've liked funny and I've always found it interesting because you're going up there on stage and, you know, you're giving people information and everybody has different perspectives and whatnot. So I decided I was going to do an open mic as part of this story because a friend of mine who no longer even does stand up was going up and he was getting a decent amount of laughs. And I was like, all right, if he can do this, I know I can do this. My first set went fantastic we're talking around 2006 yeah. um, it was in april and i believe it was april 19th of 2006 if i had the date correct and uh i look back i saw the video set was the jokes were ridiculously not good because <laughs> when you first start out you think you're good and of course you're not but right. i had been doing well and then i went to this club in dayton called wiley's yeah and, uh, i know where that is yeah yeah, yeah. and uh wiley's went okay and then i went to this club called jokers now 
um, if you if you know anything about Dayton, Ohio, like Wiley's is like the oldest comedy club in Ohio, and they get like nice, simple audiences. Uh, Joker's audience hated me. Um, <laughs> they did not like me. And it was kind of like the movie Friday where they were like, he going to cry in the car. It was not good. <laughs> um, but uh, so, you know, but I just said I, I kept at it because I've liked comedy. Um, and then uh, two albums, an award, a couple of comedy festivals, a semi-national TV appearance on a show called Laughs on Fox, which aired in 13 markets across the country. Some of the reruns are on Hulu now. Uh, play on Spotify, things of that nature. Got to headline a couple clubs, feature at some clubs. And if it hadn't been for a global pandemic, I might have been at the Montreal Comedy Festival, <laughs> maybe launched a real career. But so, yeah, so to answer your original question, that's how I got my start working for a newspaper that no longer exists. Uh, it was a, it was an offshoot of the Cincinnati Enquirer called Sin Weekly. And uh, I, I, you know, I said, okay, I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna do an open mic. I had been going to Go Bananas for a couple of years because I used to always interview the comics when they came through. I got to interview George Carlin before he passed away when he's coming to the Cincinnati to do a big theater. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna do this. And um, as you know, um, comedy is like a drug. Um, I don't drink and I don't smoke. So the only thing I chase is the mic. I'm sitting there like, come on, man. I got two new minutes. So, you know, uh, yeah, it's been yeah. It's, it's been like that. And it's been that way ever since April 19th, I believe, of 2006. I, I love that. I think that's probably the best way is that sometimes, like, you just fall into these things. And I get it because, like, running a podcast, I, I love interviewing people just because I love human interest pieces. And mm -hmm. mostly, yeah, mostly we do comedians and whatnot just because of what the audience that listens to it is familiar with. Um, but what I'll ask you is, you know, what has been one of your your favorite i know you've opened for a lot of people which is kind of mm -hmm. awesome too i mean it is i don't know why i was like it's kind of awesome like you know i haven't opened for somebody i don't know what that's like but who i, I know what you, meant. <laughs> you knew what i meant who has been somebody that you've worked with during your career that you have um really admired or looked up to that was kind of a, a dream come true for you well it's okay so the dream come true moment have it happen with like, excuse me. Oh, wow. Edit that audio out. Hold on for a second. <laughs> and we're going to start fresh. Wow. That's embarrassing, everybody. Hold on. Three, two, and. So <laughs> my my big comedy moments uh, haven't come from working with people that like I was big fans of, mm -hmm. um, but uh, they were like super nice and cool. So I had like some really good moments that way. And then there's been like some people that I've been really cool um and, and was fans of that i've had a chance to interact with um and can regularly you know be in contact with now and things of that nature um i'll give you an example um roy uh wood jr uh i was a fan of roy wood juniors for Love ages him. Um, yeah you know, <laughs> like i used to consume comedy the way the like dustin hoffman's character in rain man would consume numbers and i don't remember how but roy came on my radar and you know, I've always, I've followed his career. He's a good individual. Um, I've had a chance to like talk to him. I got to do a guest set one time. He was opening at a club in Columbus um, and uh, we've stayed in touch. So every once in a while, I'll be a couple quick text messages because I know that uh, he don't need me bothering his life and blowing up his spot like that. Um, but we've, he's given very good advice, uh, especially for black comics. And don't worry, I don't mean at the secret meeting in Wakanda, uh, <laughs> but I'm just in general. Um, 
but uh so like he's been really good a couple other comics have been good to me um and giving me some spots you know i almost feel weird name dropping but like i know Kristen key who was on bring the funny on nbc mm-hmm. helped get me into some clubs um when i was i couldn't you know trying to get on my own because comedy is almost like being in like not like politics but it's like any other job it's who you know right. and i had a good weekend with Kristen at a club that is long since closed that was a weird wacky weekend um but you know, stayed in touch and I just asked her like, hey, I've been trying to get into this one spot that I know that you work. She put a call in and I got a response back. Nice, um, there you but, go. But some of my biggest moments are, you know, the opportunity thing and grinding. Now, when I say grinding, that's a generic term that a lot of people use. And, you know, I'm out there hustling, you know, I'm, it's like, you know, I'm like, no, I'm just, <laughs> yeah, like, this I know like, like, this isn't like an interview on Shade 45, which is Eminem's channel on Sirius, but it's like, you know, being a reporter, I would say, okay, I, I would find out who to call to do interviews. So then I would start checking with the clubs, like who's the manager? When's the open mic? Can I send you a quick clip? On this clip, do you prefer clean? Do you prefer, you know, whatever? Is it a certain subject matter that you should avoid? And I would ask other comics when you're doing submissions. A lot of people have bad video, bad audio. Um, the whole yeah. set is them doing a bunch of like anal sex jokes. It's like, well, you can't get host work with this. Um, you can get some work with it, but not the yeah. type that you think you're going to get. I, right. um, mm-hmm. You know, so I would just stay on people's radar. And one of my coolest moments is, uh, I, I can't remember the year specifically, but it was in the last four or five. Um, I went and saw Bill Burr at the Taft Theater here in Cincinnati, which is like our one of our two big theaters. Oh, it's a um, great theater. It's like a two- yeah. yeah, except mm-hmm. for those tight ass seats. Good lord! <laughs> um, like I wear a size thirty eight, and I might as well have been Peter Griffin in those seats. Uh, <laughs> but I digress. But um, I remember I was watching Bill, and I was this was a time because like I had a bad run of years from like two thousand twelve to two thousand nineteen. Tabari was not in a happy place. Um, comedy was like my solace, in all honesty, uh, during that time. And I remember I paid, went by myself, bought a ticket, was up in the upper deck watching Bill Burr by myself on like a weeknight, wasn't even a weekend, at the Tav Theater. And I was sitting there, and this is like when I'm, I'm at least at this point in time, because I'm 14 years in now. So I know I was at least, I think, 10 years in. I was double digits, I believe. And I'm sitting up there. There's a lot of other local comics that I would see walking through. And I'm sitting up there by myself as the terribly single man that I am. And I'm watching Bill Burr crush. um, And I'm like, man, one day, I don't know how, but I'm going to get a chance to be on this stage. Fast forward like a year and a half, two years later, a booker for the Taft Theater calls me, uh, messages me out of the blue. I've never even spoken to this dude before. And I just happened to check my email. And he was like, hey, Tabari, this is insert name. Haha, I'm not giving away secrets of the comics trying to steal my shine. Um, he was like, uh, yo, uh, Tig Nataro is going to be at the Taft. Would you like to open? Oh, wow. And I was like, yeah, now Tig and I don't have the same comedy styles whatsoever at all. Uh, I thought it was gonna be like, I was like, are we auditioning for a new 48 hours movie? Like what's happening? Um, but I got a chance to open up and to open up on that stage in my hometown was in front of at least 1,000 to 2,000 people and have a, a 10 minute set that 
I'm trying to say this without bragging. I crushed it, Joe. Um, <laughs> it, was, uh, it, it was like a really, really good time. And like, good. we have an event here in Cincinnati called Brouhaha, mm -hmm. which is outdoors. And a lot of comics hate doing the outdoors because it's an outdoor environment. There's kids walking by. Sure. Some of them can't, some of them have jokes that they can't really do in that setting. And then the way the audio was set up, I don't know how to explain it, but it's like a weird, because it's an amphitheater, so the sound will mm -hmm. bounce. And you can hear yourself, oh, but yeah. it's hard to hear the light. So mm -hmm. it's a weird setup, but like, like uh, you know, I've learned how to work that stage. And from having, trying to been in classrooms with kids that could not have cared less, yeah. from trying to work in jobs with coworkers where you're just like, I would stab you in the neck with a pencil if I could get away with it. Like, I've learned how to like work that type of setup mm -hmm. and uh, brouhaha, we're not having it this year, unfortunately, because they canceled that. Everything. That was one of the first things that went out the door. It was like, they were like, pandemic's coming. They were like, canceled. I was like, what? Like, they yeah. hadn't even finished saying the D at a canceled, you know, but it was it was quick. Um, but that's one of my favorite events. I've had some very good times because of that. And uh, not to go all very Leon Phelps-ish, but I once had a very good time afterwards, and I didn't even have to buy a fish sandwich. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, I, I think it's kind of funny though, where sometimes we're not funny, but I think it is coincidental that sometimes when we are struggling and trying to find ourselves is when mm -hmm. like, uh, like I was actually just talking about this the other day, like sometimes when you're in a spot where, you know, surviving is a necessity, a lot of productivity comes out of that. So I feel like for you, that really worked in your favor where maybe you were kind of unsure about things. And then all of a sudden you're like opening for Tignatoro, you know what I mean? Like, and you're right. like, yeah. And it's exciting. Like, even though you're like, I don't want to brag about it, but it went really well. Like if it, if it did, it did. Like, it's not like you were yeah. like, I murdered. Like, you know, that's the fa the same thing everybody says, but it, it's, it's right. different to, I feel oh. like, yeah, in my opinion, it's just different in that setting versus yeah. an open mind. And, and of course, as you know this, if you ever meet a comedian that says they've never bombed, you have met a liar or a future presidential candidate. Because <laughs> there, there have been some shows where they should have had, like, the narrator from those old 1940s movies, like, Cincinnati, Ohio, 2006, Tabar McCoy steps on stage and bombs. Like, it was bad. Like, I remember, like... <laughs> Cause I've had a, I had a bomb in Columbus where the host, it was an urban night, which is code for black. Um, now I'm black, but I don't do a lot of stereotypically black jokes. I'm not like, uh, I'm one of like, if you, if you, if you liked going to class, you like me, no matter what your background is. If you were more trying to roll out in the hallway to smoke weed, you saw me as the hall monitor. So you ain't, you don't <laughs> like my stuff. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, I, I had a bomb in Columbus. The dude was like, and I, I knew I knew it was going to go bad, too. Because before the show, the dude was like, yo, what's your name? And I was like, Tabari McCoy. And he's like, he's like, I was like, you need, he's like, no, I got it. And I was like, no, you don't. My man goes up, does his set, finishes his joke. And I, you can figure out what time this is about how Obama should get men more oral sex by ending. Yes, we can. Uh, he And then so crowds eating him up. Uh, and they go, he's like, all right, y'all. This first dude coming to the stage uh, from uh, Cincinnati, uh, <laughs> give it up for DeMario. And I'm sitting there what? like, well, I thought I was next. So I'm sitting around looking. And then he repeated it. And the way the, the club was set up, the club, you there was no green room. So you would stand off to the, to the side before you got called to the stage. And by the second time he said it, I'm sitting there like, oh, no. The crowd thinks I'm DeMario. Well, <laughs> this ain't going to go well. And it did not. The only part of that set 
that went well is when I started trashing Columbus. I was like, that's right. Yeah, I was like, all oh, y'all Buckeye fans, OH, I don't give a and I was just I was killing. I was like, Greg Oden. I was like, I know why Greg Oden ain't doing well. Greg Oden's the oldest dude in the NBA. He ain't no rookie. I said everybody else gets Gatorade commercials. He's got a Metamucil ad coming out. Like I was killing him because I was pissed. And that, they liked that. I went back to my regular act. They was like, all right, whatever. Can I get some hot wings over here at table seven? Like, I was like, all right. <laughs> but, yeah, I bombed in Columbus. I bombed in Dayton. There was a dude named Todd Lynn. God rest his soul. Todd, used to, he, was a, he was like a really funny cat, and he was really intelligent. But Todd was grimy. Now, you can tell yeah. by this striped cause shirt that I am not a grimy dude. Like, Todd was smart, but Todd was, like, raw, like, like, if you've ever seen Next Friday, he could be, like, pinky in Next Friday, but then be real intellectual, like, right after he got done, like, basically cussing you out. And he put me on like the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He put me on this show, and I was the host, and I tried to go up and do, like, my regular jokes, you know. And I'm fortunate that I haven't had, like, a very, like, I haven't had these stereotypical black experience so that's like a war within comedy because like hannibal burris's crowd isn't like a lot of like black people like eric andre ain't really like you know and it's like but there's room for everybody in comedy i have something that if you don't like this one joke or you can't relate to it just wait for the next one like i may have one joke that's gonna feel like maroon five and then my next joke will feel like wu-tang back in circa 96. just give me a minute but I mean, I remember I bombed in Dayton so hard. I had brought a dude with me who's a friend of mine who's a comic named Tyrone Hawkins. And Tyrone is just like the nicest, like most disarming dude. Aww. And I brought, I got Tyrone on the show. I go up, I bomb. Ty, Tyrone goes up, kills. Todd goes up and kills. And here's the worst part. Before I'm supposed to host, the show was running all late and everything else. Todd goes up, does like 10 minutes before I'm supposed to do anything, crushes. And then they have an intermission. Then I come up and everybody's like, what? We're on the ride back home because Tyrone rode with me. And I'm sitting there in the car. It's like silent for like eight, 10 minutes going down I-75. It's like an hour drive to my house. And I don't say nothing for like 10 minutes. And I just go, man, they hated me, man. And Tyrone's Aww. like, yeah, they did. <laughs> like, I was oh, like, you are not helping us. But the worst bomb I ever had got me work with a very famous comedian who's famous now. Because I bombed at the Newport Funny Bone in Newport, Kentucky, right across the river on another urban night hosted by Gary Owen. And he set me up for that one. He was like, all right, y'all. It's also when I go first. He's like, all right, y'all. This first dude, he works at the Enquirer. I'm like, don't tell them that. They hate the Enquirer. <laughs> right. We're in I go Kentucky. Up I, a, <laughs> I go up and I do a joke about that song White Tees, which is a popular rap song. I'm sure it's on your playlist. But it was I was listening and I was like, they got that song White Tees. I slang in my white tee, bang in my white tee. I said, I know one thing you don't do in it, read. The crowd looked at me like, oh, you think you smart, huh? I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> I got, when I say I got booed hard, there were people pulling into the parking garage like, that would be $5. Okay, boo! Like, they was, I got booed out the building. I'm backstage, like, crying and sad. And the manager at the time was like, that's all right. I've seen you here before. I know you're funny. I got a week coming up where you can MC for Billy Gardell. Do you want it? And I'm like, yeah. So I got to open for you from Mike and Molly. And then a year and a half later, he got Mike and Molly. I have, yeah. like, a good luck. I have like a good luck Chuck effect. What you need me to do is have me come to St. Louis, get me a decent <laughs> hotel room, but then have me open up for you. And then you will get like some deal where you'll get to be like on FX as like Rebel Wilson's redheaded friend or something. Or, like, you know, whatever. <laughs> I I'll bet. 
But yeah, so I, I'm sorry. I know I rant, and I know your listeners are like, That's "Golly, okay. this black dude is like." I can tell he's the only talker. He just doesn't shut up when he gets a chance to talk. But yeah, I always got a good bomb story for you. Oh, well, that's the thing, though, is that there's a they always call it like the art of bombing. And that's what we were talking about was that like people who are bragging about how well they do usually don't do well. And I feel like comedians that listen to this, especially ones that are professional, will feel the same way. Uh, yep. What I will ask you. But those make those make you ahead. better, though. Yes, that's what I'm saying. saying. Yeah, because mm -hmm. I, you know, I used to struggle with like some of the urban crowds and because I, I was here was the thing. I was trying to be like, OK. I know that like I'm not your stereotypical what you expect for a black comic. I know that I'm not gonna go on stage and start humping the stool. I don't smoke <laughs> weed and this and that. But I was like, just because I don't do certain things doesn't mean that there aren't people in that crowd that can relate. And I said, second, you got to bring them into your world. Totally. So mm -hmm. I would acknowledge certain things and be like, look, you know. And I forget what I used to say, but I used to do the Cleveland Improv a lot, and the Cleveland Improv is the blackest club in America. So like, if you don't think you can do well in front of black audiences, you need to stay out of the Cleveland. And the Cleveland's funny because they got two clubs. They have Hilarities, which is downtown, which has these velvet ropes, and they have all these people that have come in. It's like stars, this and that. And then the Cleveland Improv is next to the lake, next to a strip club, across from an aquarium, where a headliner I worked with once said he got a 15% discount because the water in the aquarium that day was cloudy. I <laughs> wish I was making that up. But, like, the Cleveland Improv is, like, they have, like, token white comics. It'll be, like, all the black comics you've seen. And then it'll be, like, and John Heffron. And I'm, like, ooh, he, gonna, <laughs> he ain't going to do well. Uh, but so, like, that, but going through those experiences, made, it'll make you better. And it makes you a better comic because you learn how to handle everybody. Because I've always said some comics are very niche. I want everybody's money. So totally. I want right. to be able to perform for everybody. <laughs> I want everybody. <laughs> Just throw right. your dollar bills at me. I will take it. Whatever I need to do to pay back my financial institutions, I will do that. So thank you. <laughs> I feel the same way, but go ahead. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, so, no, so you had a follow-up question that I oh. interrupted because I'm a bad guest. Oh, no, you're perfect. Actually, it's great because you've got some like great advice and really good insight. I just wanted to know... You know, I'm based here in St. Louis and, yes. you know, and you're over here in Cincinnati. What mm -hmm. is kind of going on with the scene over there right now um, with like clubs <laughs> and performing? Uh, I know right now we're kind of like a helium here, helium St. Louis. They just opened up and they're starting to do shows, um, it, but there's a lot of social distancing. So we still have like tables and whatnot. Uh, what I just kind of want to know, because we had... Caleb Robison, um, she is uh, the head chef over at Arnold's Bar and Grill down in Over okay. the Rhine. And mm -hmm. they had just, when we had her on, they had just opened up like bars and stuff in Cincinnati. So I was just kind of wondering, you know, every city has different rules, obviously, and what's going on. Where do we kind of see the performance side of everything for comedy and things going on there? Like, are clubs going to open up? Are we going to maybe just keep virtual for now? What's uh, what's happening over there? Well, um, I know that uh, Wiley's in Dayton has reopened. Um, I don't know how well it's being attended, what they're doing in the social distancing terms, um, but I know that they have reopened. Um, they have their big annual July 4th uh, fireworks comedy contest. They got like okay. 50 comics signed up for that coming up. Um, the Funny Bones in the state, because we have a Funny Bone in uh, Perrysburg, which is the Toledo one. Mm -hmm. um, 
There's the Cleveland Improv, which yes. I think is part of that collective. And there's the Columbus Funny Bone, which I don't know anything about because that just that's like either. Fort yeah. Knox trying to get that's just the impossible one to get into. Um, and then the one here in Cincinnati, which is in the Liberty area. Um, I don't know what they're doing. I was checking websites. I know that they had like some special events uh, posted with uh, two people in comedy that I hate. Um, <laughs> so I'm not going to talk about it because I want to work that club. Sure. Um, but they have they have two people coming that are related to each other, uh, which uh, the only thing we have in common is that we have a, a similar skin tone and that's it. And I'm going to leave it at that because um, I hate those dudes for what they represent. I don't hate them as people, but if they got if they got COVID, I'd be like, oh, cough with your chest. Now, um, that notwithstanding, um, they don't know who I am, so I can say that. Anyhow, they, they, they could care less about me um, and most Black people based on their act. All right. Now, um, I was uh, saying Go Bananas is going to reopen in August. They've been remodeling the club, and they had been talking about remodeling it for a while, so it's actually um, worked out. This is like not worked out, but it's like, okay, they're going to remodel the club, and now it's like when we can't have audiences in, Let's go ahead and get it done. So, right. Um, I'm it's very smart idea. Seeing... Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know what the funny bones are going to end up doing. I'm sure they'll reopen as soon as they can get the word. Um, Cause those rooms are way too big with too many people's salaries involved and too much space to not take advantage of when they get these reopening restrictions. Yeah. Some of our, our amusement parks have been allowed to reopen now, although people are petitioning you know, having to wear a mask at the amusement parks. Like I, I want to eat my cotton candy. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, you know, like, like, I've done jokes on stage about not believing in evolution. And I'm just like, why are like, you can't save certain people. You can't save them from themselves. Like the movie Idiocracy is becoming a documentary every, every day. It's like getting right. closer and closer every day. But that's a whole different rant for a whole different topic. I'm sure there's like two people that used to like, I like the podcast of that one uppity black fella talked about. I'm like, all right, well, bye. Um, well, that's all right. We did ask it. you. I did ask you about what was happening because I'm I'm yeah. not there, and I the only update right. I get is from my parents, who are both over the age of seventy. So their take on things is a little bit different because, like, that you know how it is, like with parents, mm -hmm. they just stay within yes. their five minute radius. So they're like, "Well, yep. we just we took a walk and uh, we went to Kroger." I mean, I don't. Right. <laughs> it's just you know, I there's not too much. <laughs> so that's like, why I was I like, myself, "What's happening?" <laughs> I have become a social distancing ninja because, you know, back when I was like unemployed and struggling, I used to make myself get out the house every day just because if you stay in the house all day, you'll go nuts. Yeah. So like I try to go, like I go jogging because I can't get any fatter. I'm not going to get any skinnier, <laughs> but I'm not going to get any fatter. Um, I'm just trying to maintain so that way, like, you know, if like I need to play like a young Anthony Anderson in something, I can get that role one day. All right. But, yeah. You know, I'm not trying, I'm not going, because, like, I love sugar too much. Like, this water, like, comedy makes me drink more water than anything else. Um, but, uh, so, it's like, when I go out and about, like, you know, I see so many people without masks. I see parents without kids. I mean, parents with kids with no mask on. You mm -hmm. know, I see over, like, I see heavy set people, no mask. I see people smoking. And I'm just like, you know, that's America's greatest thing is that p people in general don't like to be told what to do. <laughs> but Americans, we really hate to be told what to do. Right. So, you know, like, 
telling people you have to put a mask on. Like, You're impinging on my freedom and my right. And I'm like, all right. And I'm, I know I'm doing a, a Southern stereotypical accent. Um, and don't worry, I'll be honest. I've seen plenty of black people not wearing masks. I went to go get a sandwich today and I saw three dudes doing all the dap up moves. And I'm just like, cough, COVID, cough, COVID, COVID. I'm like, why are y'all doing this? Like, all they've asked you to do is put a mask on and not touch people. Yeah. Why is this so hard? But, you know, and that's the thing too, is like, there's going to be so many comics that are going to try to not do COVID jokes, but it's all we've got going on. Like, okay, well, baseball's coming back on July 24th. So we got baseball. We got, I don't know, do we have soccer overseas, I guess? Um, the movie theaters are trying to open back up, but they uh, yeah. want people to wear masks, and then mm. people don't want to wear the masks at the movie theaters. I'm like, okay, make a no mask theater and make a mask theater. That's how I solve that. <laughs> right, just you like put I mean? the no like, masks in this one, and then right. and you know what? Enter at your own risk. <laughs> right, yeah. like you know, I would I would ask my employees. I say, look, I can either pay you fifteen dollars an hour and you don't have to wear a mask or you can make the regular minimum wage, whatever, like everybody else, and you can be protected. And then we'll see, cause like, mo like money has become the new religion in America for the most part. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's just like, like religion is dying among younger people. And I'm a Christian, although as you can tell from everything I said, a pretty piss poor one. If <laughs> God doesn't trade on a curve, I am beyond screwed. But like people do not like to be told what to do. And you know, with COVID going on, all of the racial situations going on, and then this election going on, we have a perfect storm of stupid and crazy happening right now, where if we survive 2020, I don't even want to know what 2021's got up its sleeve <laughs> at this point. You know what I mean? Like, it's, just, it's, it's crazy. Oh, it's been know? a roller coaster. For sure. So like, especially even when we were doing this podcast, it was like everything shut down. So we were like, well, how do we do this in quarantine? So like, here I am, I was telling Chris, who you talked to earlier, I was like, here I am yep. at the dollar store, like buying a shower curtain and like making that a background. And then of course, like I ordered one of those like fancy ring lights, you know, that will like mm -hmm. light up your face. And of course the studio opens back up right when I get my ring light in. So I'm like, of course, you know, hey, you, you know, you <laughs> Oh you my got God. a receipt, well, right? I'm keeping it though. I used it for a couple okay. of like, well, so I used it for a couple, sorry, I adjust myself here, but I, uh, I used it for a couple of self tapes, you know, and I think what's kind of funny about the whole thing is like when people get upset about masks, like I, I get it. Like sometimes like, especially if you have like breathing issues or like for me, I have allergies. So I'll just like sneeze into it and I'm like, oh, this is oh. kind of gross. <laughs> No, I, when this first started happening, like, cause I clear my throat, like I'm gonna probably clear my throat again in like two minutes. So it's like, you know how you just get used to doing certain things? Man, when this was first going on, I'd be out and about. And before we started wearing the mask, we got that, I'd be out and about and I'd be like, <gasps> <laughs> man, I've never held a coffin so hard in my life. I feel like right. I was playing like a Resident Evil video game or something like one of those zombie games where if you cough there or whatever, they can hear you and you get attacked. I'm like, uh uh. <laughs> I was just waiting for like a little kid to walk by like, he got it. Like, get out of here, yeah. you little bastard. Oh, well, that's you know? the problem. Anybody that's with me and has bad allergies, like that's for like, everybody just stares at you and you're like, I swear, I'm just like, this is me every spring. I'm just, I'm dying no matter what. 
but right. yeah, I, I was interested in just knowing what was going on just because, you know, well, everywhere else I talked to, some people are still very much on lockdown, you know, especially in like yes. bigger states and whatnot with more people. Um, in the Midwest, I, mean, I feel like it just kind of goes up and down. Like some people have rules, well, some people don't. Place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I myself, I, I have, I've actually canceled four paying gigs that I had. I was supposed to be in Oklahoma City uh, two weeks ago. This past weekend, I was supposed to be in Wichita, Kansas. Next month, I was supposed to be in Tulsa, which has its own issues right now. Um, and I was supposed to be in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. And I'm just like, it's not worth it to me right now to go out and risk not only my health, but the health of older family members that I am in somewhat regular contact with my neighbors for what, you know, and, and, you know, and the virus is changing so much. It's like, you know, one minute they say this, like, make sure you spray your shoes. Oh, well, you know, it can't get on. I was like, I haven't seen this much confusion over medical advice. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'm like, this is like when we were debating how good milk is for you. Remember like the milk (laughs) debates? It's like, and then like, remember like when Chipotle's lettuce was all bad. There was like, don't eat the lettuce. And it's like, I'm like, you know, it's just because we get something new every year that's going to kill us. You know? Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Although, oh, I had I had such a follow up joke for that. But I, was, I didn't want to make the people go, ooh, it was, it was going to hit them too hard. All right. So. Well, <laughs> uh, what I will ask you, though, yeah. is since we are on the topic of Cincinnati, you know, yes. everybody, especially with comics, like everybody has like their own base, whether it's New York, L.A., St. Louis, Cincinnati, wherever. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have like a wide kind of a wide base of listeners audio wise too, mm-hmm. as well. Uh, why Cincinnati? Why choose that particular city? I mean, I personally love it. It's my hometown, but I feel like I'm well, a little you're biased. Gonna know the answer then. <laughs> you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna know the answer then. But yeah, Here's why the there? Thing. What's going on? Have, why, why Cincinnati? I have joked about this so much. Cincinnati is like the matrix. It's just hard to escape. And like, I'm from here. I'm a native. And I was that, I was that Mr. Play It Safe. Comedy has broken me out of my shell in numerous ways. I never flew before I did stand up. Um, I'm still terrible at talking to women. Um, if you weren't hosting this, I would just walk past you in the club like, she's cute. And that would just keep moving. Um, <laughs> But it's like, so comedy has made me get out of like. I have something on my teeth, but you keep talking. I'm just gonna. Hey, that's right. I wasn't see. (laughs) I saw it. I saw it, but I was like, I'm gonna let that go because I don't want to be rude. This is the second episode I have had something on my teeth, and I don't know what it is. So I feel like this is just gonna be a bit now where somebody's gonna be talking about something serious, and I'm gonna be like, one minute. If you do that, if, if you do that, you got to keep increasing the size of the object. Right. So like by like, so like this is season five of your show. I found out. So like, but like episode ten, you got like have like half a pork chop just somehow dangling and just I'll never acknowledge it. You know? <laughs> and you get, that can be your gimmick. Like, but um, so I'm from here. I bought a house here right before I started doing stand up. Actually, right when I started, uh, I started doing that in '06. Bought my house in 07, bought a new car in 08, and lost my good job to layoffs in 09. And then we've been recovering ever since. But um, I've all like, you know, Cincinnati, for lack of better, I mean, it's home. And I it's like, it's a big city with a small city feel. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like, you know what to expect. And I've traveled, like, I'm a huge Chicago Cubs fan, which makes everybody in Cincinnati mad. But they were cooler in the 80s when I was a kid. <laughs> Sorry, they just were. Uh 
<clears throat> and you know, I blue is my favorite color. So I was like, Ooh, come on, go Cubbies. But, uh, <laughs> but I mean, I like the reds, but I mean, they're here. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, it's like going back. It's like going back to an ex. It's like, Oh yeah, I can call them up. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, but like Cincinnati is home for better or for worse, but it's also like, we're only like a couple, we're, we're like five hours or less from Chicago. We're four hours from Pittsburgh, two hours from Indy, you get to St. Louis in five. I mean, Cleveland's four. So we have like a lot of, you know, even Atlanta is only eight hours away. So you could knock that out in one day with the drive if you really wanted to or needed to. Um, I mean, I've, I've driven to Wisconsin to do shows and I got there in under 12, I mean, mm -hmm. if I needed to. So, you know, it's just home. Like I have my house here. This is part of my man cave basement. Cause when you're single in your early forties, you can do what you want. Um, <laughs> except find a decent woman apparently, but that's my issue. Anyhow, back to comedy. No one's going to cry tonight. So, um, it's just like Cincinnati is just like home. And I, and I thought to myself, here's the funny thing too. Last year, after I got done with my terrible teaching job, um, and I was sitting there like, I can't do this anymore. It's just, it just hurts too much and the situation wasn't good. And then as I was sitting there, as I'm trying to find a new day job, there was a part of me was like, man, you should just man up. You've been doing this now for so many years. You got these albums out. You've made some progress. You should just like bite the bullet and you should just move to LA. Cause I'm not going to New York because I've done cold weather being here in the Midwest. I'm like, I'll oh, take yeah. an earthquake. I'm like, mm -hmm. I'll take an earthquake in 88 degrees over like the occasional hurricane. I'm like, no. Nah. And yeah. I was sitting there like, I should bite the bullet, move out to LA and go like go hard as the kids would say, or stop trying. And then January got here and I was starting to get interviews for good day jobs. And like, every time I would get a club, like I would get a new club, then an old club would close or change management. And then like February was here and I was like, man, I'm like struggling right now. And then March came and I got my new job and then March came and then the world went to hell. And I was like, you know what? Cincinnati is cool. <laughs> we ain't, like, like when we heard, when I heard about the pandemic, like I knew New York was going to be getting hit. And then they talked about Seattle and I said, that's the same coast. I knew they were going to get hit and Florida. Well, Florida's got, I mean, Florida's going Florida. So we knew what was going to happen with Florida. Uh, and I've been to Texas and I was like, they on the border and Texas is going Texas. And Arizona, Arizona is jealous of Florida. So I was like, all right, nope, let me just. So I knew that was going to be an issue and a problem. So Cincinnati, for all of its foibles, and, and yes, a black dude just used the word foibles, but for all of its foibles and everything else, I'm like, it's home. And if I've always said if I was going to move to like L.A., uh, to pursue comedy, I would either need to a have like an opportunity, like you know, getting on the Just for Laughs festival, um, <laughs> or uh, I, I would need to have We're like not a holding a, oh, any grudges at all to the pandemic for taking Just for Laughs uh, away from us. <laughs> I had I, it wasn't like I was on the show. I just got a chance to audition, but right. I felt confident. You know what I mean? Yeah, I felt confident. I felt the way that a Cubs fan felt in 2015. Like we're getting close. Like I yeah. felt confident about. Because I got a chance to audition for America's Got Talent like two years oh, ago. Oh, you did? Um, okay. Yeah. And not and like where they call you in, like a, a talent scout found me. And then I got there because it was in Detroit. And uh, I had never told like any of the local comics because I was like, if I don't get picked, I don't want them going, oh, look, it's Mr. America's Got Talent. But I got to Detroit <laughs> for audition. And I knew I wasn't getting it the second I got there. Here's how I knew. 
as you've seen that show, first of all, Simon Cow is not a fan of comedians. Oh, I watch then, it religiously. I know. Right. <laughs> and then, second, that show is built for people that that sing, dance, or do something ridiculously unusual. Like I was sitting there, like I even did the joke during the audition. I said, "It's nice to be here to audition for America's Got Talent." Or as I'm gonna tell my friends and family that show where I lost to the hip hop dancing grandmothers from Wisconsin. Like I'm like, this is not. <laughs> they do pick some yeah. weird acts sometimes on there. Like sometimes I'm like, "Oh, this person will never get through," and they're like. It's a yes for me. Oh, it's a definite yes for yep. me. And I'm like, it's a super have, no for me. <laughs> you got to have a gimmick. My mm -hmm. gimmick was going to be that I was the school teacher that does comedy. Because mm -hmm. here's the thing. I know I've said that the job was terrible because I'm accurate. But there were like there were kids that I actually liked and I wanted to try to help. And then there were other kids where I'm just like, you, you're going to be an adult one day. And I am afraid for your life. And you're not. And that's the problem. Like, so... I was like, I'm going to try and make my, I was like, okay, I can be the new hanging with Mr. Cooper. I've opened for Mark Curry before. I'm like, maybe I could text him and be like, yo, we want to bring this, you know, we can get, we can get a show on the WB if that still was around. Oh, but, uh, the WB. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I used to watch that channel religiously. Yeah. So well, well, that was, I did too. Cause the WB was the working blacks channel. Cause it had Jamie Foxx and the Wayans brothers and mm -hmm. Malcolm and Eddie. Yeah. I used to call it the WB, the working, but then it had Michigan J frog, but like, yeah. come see our Negroes. Oh like, my like, God. Right. That's like so crazy. I feel like you're just like taking me back to the past and I'm like listening to like, even when you brought, brought cassettes up earlier, it just brought yep. me back to when I had a Walkman, but it was of cassette tapes. And I had like a whole little purple crate of just like cassettes of music. And you yep. had side A and side B. Yep. And I was like, oh my God. I, yep. and like, oh, and then if you had like, think for different things like now it's so crazy because we have like phones right that we can just right. do a voice memo or recording on i had like one of those old school home alone like talk mm. those like they i think it was like a, a talk boy in the movie but mine was a talk those. girl yeah so i like i still have tapes See? of me like in my <laughs> in my little days trying to do like what i didn't realize was a comedy set but <laughs> it's oh, there i, I have both <laughs> I have I have one of those too from like the 80s, so I don't know where it is, but I hope that no one ever finds it. But you know what's funny <laughs> that we're like stuff. As a comic, you have to make sure that you are fresh, unless you're going to become like a certain generation only comic, because your references and stuff. Like here's you're talking about like advice for comics. You need to make sure you hang around young people. That was going to be my next question, so take right, it away. What's like, your advice? Like, <laughs> As a comic, like I'm in a weird spot because I'm not old, but I'm not young. So mm -hmm. it's like, like you know, a lot of comedians are like early twenty somethings that don't know what their life is gonna be yet. Um, you know, or it's older comics that are holding on that shouldn't be. Um, so I don't, ever, I don't want to be like, I can't be one, and I don't want to be the other. But I would. T so a funny story. Um, and it's a comic who's a good comic, but it, this is just it, this is when I learned this lesson that you gotta have fresh references and you gotta have material for everybody who could be in that audience. He was doing a joke. It was the guy who was headlining, and I was featuring, and I was sitting there watching, and he made a reference to the to the rock group REM on a college night show, and there was a group of dudes in the front row who had come out for like their fraternity night and like upstanding fraternity night, like not like rowdy crazy yeah. one. Mm -hmm. And they all just looked at him like, I'm sorry, sir. My parents have spoken of this group, but I do not know any of their music or material. Like they just had, he was like, 
he turned into Eddie Murphy's character and coming to America. He's like, come on, R-E-M, shining <laughs> happy people. I was in the back like sexual chocolate. Like he just, so it was just hilarious. Like, if you didn't get the sexual chocolate reference, you're also old because that was when Eddie Murphy was the biggest thing in, in Hollywood. But so like, I'll do jokes and like, I saw a dude make a Ja Rule reference, but Ooh, not like- Ja after, Rule. <laughs> but, but, but not like after Firefest. I mean like in 08. Yeah. Um, not even 08. I saw a dude make a Ja Rule reference. I forgot, we're 2020. He made a Ja Rule reference in like 2014. And I was like, I was like, 50 Cent, ain't, I like, 50 Cent hasn't feuded with this dude since 2004. What are you doing? Like, <laughs> oh, you got to ja keep your references current. You know? Oh, I, I, I feel the same way. I, it is, there's, I, it, that reminded me of, there was one night, there's a, there's a funny bone here, not the same franchise, yes. just an independent one, but. I remember um, that. Yeah, exactly. Right. So. One, one day I'm hoping to get there. Oh yeah, there. I love that club. It's, I go to their Tuesday open mics, which obviously isn't mm -hmm. happening right now. But it's my favorite, one of my favorite open mics to go to, just because you always have an audience. Like everybody's so fun and so nice. So shout out to them. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, why I thought about that was one night they had a really nice gentleman that was performing, and I was like, oh, you know, he seems really funny. I've seen some of his videos. And I had some free passes, and this is when I was first starting to do mm -hmm. comedy. And I understood his references just like you were talking about. But this, like, and like I'm only 29, but like for some reason, like I and I also, <laughs> I also was raised with my family is a blended family, so I was okay. born later in life. So my whole family okay. that was there the night at Go Bananas, they're all like in their 40s, and they're like my sisters and brothers and stuff. And people are like, mm -hmm. oh, is this like your cousins or something? I'm like, oh no, it's just you know, I'm so I was raised. I get what you're saying. I was raised as an only child, but I had all these siblings. Right. So I, right. uh, our relationship definitely changed as we got older so it's funny mm -hmm. to see from their perspective when i say stuff they're like wait what but then uh but back to the funny bone this guy was and i knew exactly what he was saying but some like annoying little 20 year old little shit was like she's like what are you talking about like do you want us to just say like why don't you just say the beatles and show your age she was really rude and she shouldn't have said what she said because sometimes uh -huh. here's the thing you're going to go to a show and not understand something. Okay. Like it's going to happen yep. from time to time. Sometimes I don't get a joke and it's from the best comic. And it's just honestly, because I don't know yeah. what they're referencing. But then what you do is you educate yourself and you find out later and you're like, Oh, that is pretty funny. You know, like I like yep. that. So I, I see where you're coming from on that point, which actually kind of brings me my next question. So earlier yes. we talked about your two comedy albums that you had. Yeah. And that's what I told you that I liked about both of them was that even though maybe we come from similar yet different backgrounds and whatnot, I actually felt they were both very relatable. I understood exactly what you were talking about, especially on the second one on Remarkable when you were talking about the Ric Flair laugh <laughs> and that guy yeah. in the audience was like, woo! And you're like, that guy, <laughs> like that is the guy yeah. I'm talking about. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, everybody that's listening, you'll just have to listen to the album. But it's a very, very, very funny moment. What what I'll ask you is because we had another gentleman, his name is Rafe Williams, and he has a great album called Young Grandpa. So not just because we're okay. friendly with him, you should just definitely listen to it. And he kind of talked about his journey into creating that. What mm -hmm. is your kind of journey into having two albums? I know one was... 
One was more recent. Remarkable was in 2018. Mm-hmm. 18. Yes. yes. And then the that other album one. Was originally gonna... oh, sorry, go yeah. Ahead. Oh, that, the other yeah. one was in 2013. Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I know. I'm trying to like remember my dates. So I'm just kind of wondering no, how you. Why would you do any research on me whatsoever? <laughs> like I it's mean... a, well, your website was actually, and that's another thing comics mm-hmm. like especially yeah, and I'll... i know it's so frustrating like make <laughs> a good website because i'm telling you i like when people send me things like especially if it's just i i need something to just like click on look at so, and tabari yours was just bio shop press so, contact here's done. the thing about that so <laughs> once, again, once again being a rep- having been a journalist i mean i still do freelance articles i have my movie blog which i'm sure you saw on my site yeah. and everything else. i gotta write a review of the new steve carell movie actually so i'll be doing that tomorrow but um having been a reporter trying to find information on somebody and they don't have it and it's like you want me to cover you but you're giving me nothing to help you right so once i said okay once i said comedy is not just gonna be like oh i'm gonna go up every once in a blue moon I said, okay, we need to try to put something together because if you want people to take you serious, you need to have the information that makes you look serious. Yes. So the Thank thing you. is that a lot of comics are broken, struggling, right. but it's like, okay, you need to invest in something. So put down your bong and invest mm-hmm. in your career. <laughs> Look at it this way. You could get better weed if you're into weed, if you had a better career. So Oh, I just drink whiskey when I put my stuff together. So I'm like, let me just pour some whiskey on the rocks. It's cheap whiskey. It's never anything yeah. expensive, but it works. Right. <laughs> but, you, but, but I mean, but you know, it's like, yeah. I, I could not tell you how many people, like even do not even comedy, like if I was doing a report on an event and they wouldn't have, like, well, we don't have our website or we have our Facebook, but it's not like, you know, we don't check the messages. I'm like, then you're not helping me help you. So I said, I want people to be like, okay, this dude's website is, has its act together. I bet you he has his actual act together. And if you're going to try to reach out and get press, you need to have it where the press goes to your website. And it's like, oh, this is the dude that looks like he's doing something. So, you know, I, I had just done a Kickstarter, uh, which thank you to everybody that donated who he, who may hear this. I hit my goal in under 24 hours. Yeah. Um, Congratulations. I, I wanted to buy, thank you. Because I wanted to buy the right equipment as opposed to just recording into an iPhone and then uploading MP3s that may or may not sound good. I'm going to be doing remote interviews. I've reached out to publicists in advance. I put together a two-page sheet of frequently asked questions. Like, here's how it got funded. Here's who's going to help me sponsor it. Here's the topics I'm going to cover. Here's my format. I ain't recorded a single minute of the actual podcast yet. But I'm like, here's how this is going to work. Gotta be prepared. Here's what it's going to sound like. So, you know, I, I like how you were like, oh, well, I hit my mic too hard. But it's like, <laughs> so passionate. But, yes. Yeah. But it's, <laughs> but you know, so, like, seriously, having your act together off stage will help you with your act on stage because as much as if you have to put the energy off stage you're not going to slack on writing your jokes because so many comics will be like oh you know let me rephrase that so many people who think they're comics or open micers oh you worked on your set i'm just gonna go up there and wing it i'm 14 years in i can wing it a little bit i don't really do a lot of crowd interacting because you know, I didn't come to like, had to talk to some jack off who's just sitting there like, oh, I'm a plumber by day. Like, great. Well, I'm a comic. Stay in your lane. I'll stay in mine. But if I have, <laughs> but if I have to go after that, dude, this is like when the MC battle skills in me come out. I'm like, if you want to be part of my show, 
I'm going to make you part of my show and it's not going to work out for you. Um, right. That's how, funny story about that. And I know we were ranting. I'm going to try and make this more coherent. The last joke on Remarkable, that album, by the way, was supposed to be called Black Charlie Brown, but my label was worried about what the Schultz estate might say. And I was like, it's parody. <laughs> I was like, it's parody. Plus, there's wildfires in California right now. I don't think they worried about me. But I said, okay, if I can't do like the funny cover with the funny title, I'm going to do a completely serious cover because most comedy albums have the guy being all wacky and zany. And I'm like, no, my comedy is serious it's funny but i put hard work into it right that's so, what I mm -hmm. so that's why that cover is a more serious i got my kirk franklin looking stuff going on oh on i that felt cover. like i was gonna listen to some nice blues or something like you know when they have that's what like a lot a... of people said yeah <laughs> yeah but my first album my first album cover the title and the cover is a parody of an old ll cool j album uh, yeah i'm knew... a fan of ll cool j so i knew oh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, you I was know like, oh. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I got so, you. But since I, could, since I couldn't do the second album the way I was thinking about doing it, I said, okay, I'm going to go completely 180, completely different direction with it. So that way you'll have to be intrigued like, oh, and I went with the title that I know sounds cocky, but I'm like, you know what? I put in the work to make this happen. And for me to get this chance to get this, whatever, it is remarkable. And I want you to enjoy it in a remarkable fashion. Yeah, I I see that's how I kind of felt like too. I didn't think it was cocky at all. Like the way that you well, tied you. I honestly didn't. I I really feel like especially with things like with titles you can kind of tie those into your work. So it mm -hmm. made sense to me. And I felt like the first one was a little bit sillier, you know. We like mm -hmm. everybody was kind of laughing and having and at the end when you made like your you're really good about ending things on good punchlines because mm -hmm. like that's a and that's the theater major in me coming out where you take a pause and then all of a sudden you're like boom and the crowd is like oh and that's always like the best moment to end on right uh so what i'll ask yep. you just a little bit about that is yeah um why how, when did you feel in your career or why not when why in your career did you feel at the certain times that you made these both albums you were like i feel good in my career right now i feel comfortable in making an album and what was kind of like uh what what was the transition from the first one okay. to the second one so the first one i recorded my debut album both of my albums by the way are recorded in one take Mm -hmm. um there's no editing except for me taking out some ums and whatnot because at the beginning you know doing a, a long right. set might be a little like nervous or have some vocal interferences but a lot of comics record over a whole weekend and they piece it together sure both of my albums are one take because i wasn't headlining the whole i didn't i was doing them on wednesday nights at the club although i'm hoping that my club will bump me up to headlining status was this hey! go bananas right uh, this was at go yes. bananas that this happened at okay yes. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so a, a good friend of mine he stopped doing stand-up and he's in a much happier place now <laughs> irony um that's an inside joke for anyone that does comedy. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, but uh, we were recording. Our, we, we were like, okay, we've both been putting in a bit of time because it was 2013, so I was like seven years in. And I was like, you know what? I said, I love comedy albums. I have a bunch. I have a bunch of vinyl. Like, I'm sitting here right now. Like, I, I have all the Netflix, like Chris Rock's Tambourine. Oh, wow. Um, Oh, I yeah. love Chris Rock's yeah. Tambourine. Like, That's one of my favorites, actually. The Tracy Morgan Netflix. Well, like, I have a bunch of vinyls and and CDs. So, like, I, I you know, an album is a record of what you've done. 
And I said, I put in seven years. I said, it's time for me to record this. Cause for one, you get tired of some of your jokes mm-hmm. and you want to move on to new stuff. And I said, I need, I, I need a record to prove that I have been here and I have done something and I was at least somewhat capable at it. So uh, my friend, Mike Cody, uh, his album is still available. It's called, I don't want to take a nap. I'll put that album up against famous comedians. Like I'll put that album up against some heavyweights. He would never do that because he's too humble, but Aww. especially for a debut album, um, I would put that up against tons of people's albums. Okay, um, what's it that's called why it's what's called, it called, I don't want to, it's called Mike Cody. I don't want to take a nap. All right, um, I'll listen to it. A joke, it's a joke that's tied into that. And that's why the night of, of our recording, I went first. I was like, I'm not following that because I because Mike had been doing it longer than me and I and Mike's stuff was really good and polished. I wish he would still do stand up, but he's happy. He's in a relationship. He's got a good job and he doesn't have COVID-19 in New York City. So shout out to Mike. He's living his best life. Go, um, Mike. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> so we did our first album and we had our opening nights and whatnot and they went and they went well. Now, I thought to myself, I said, OK, I didn't want to just do one album to be like, uh, oh, and a friend of mine just told me I got to call her about Dave Chappelle tickets. Um, <laughs> breaking news, everybody. Uh, I'm just going to be like, hey, see, this is real, everybody. This isn't scripted at all. I'm in the middle of a podcast, and I'm just going to text her back, like, get him. That's what I just texted her. All right. Get him. Right, yeah. Cool. I love him. Sorry too. about the interruption, everybody. Uh, see, I'm still a fan of comedy. You know how you met comedians that are no longer, they, they're like jaded. I still appreciate the art form, which is why I can be this passionate about them. Um, so, uh, the thing is, is that, uh, you know, I said, okay, one album, cool. But I said, I wanted to prove to people that I could do more than one. My goal was to at least do three, because I said, the first album is to prove I can do it. The second album is to show growth and show that I only had one in me. The third album would be to complete a trilogy. So I I am hoping... I am hoping to have at least three. Richard Pryor has great albums. Eddie Murphy did his best work within two, so he doesn't need to have a third one. Dave keeps putting out material, and you know, Chris Rock, Bill Burr, um, Segura, all these other great comedians, um, you know, Kathleen Madigan. So oh, I'm I like, I wanted to prove that I um, could do more than one. And my friend is sitting here texting me about you know, getting tickets. She's like, I can get, all right. So yeah, I'm literally doing comedy as I talk about comedy. Now that is comedy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so where was I? Oh yeah, ranting about my albums as I'm trying to go see another comedian who doesn't know who I am, who's much more famous. So let me wrap this up. Cause I know we've been talking for a while too. And I know you got like time and you got to edit. And I know Chris is like, golly, wrap it up. This is why we don't let the black guys on the show that often. Anyhow. Oh um, but uh, so to answer your question, you know, when you're ready to do an album, when you sitting there and you're going over your material and you're like, oh, this is 10 minutes. Oh, this is 20. Oh, this is 30. But you won't know you're ready to do an album until you've done it. Cause you can't say you've done an album until you've done it. You know, it's kind of like the idea of swimming. I sink. I, I can swim with a noodle, so I know how to do that. But if you put me out there in the water by myself, I sink. And I didn't know I couldn't swim until I tried to swim. So, you know, hence the term sink or swim. And I'm just... <laughs> so 
you know, my hope is to put another album out by like, well, 2020 has kind of been a rough shot because I can't go up on stage to work out a lot of material. Right. All my Same jokes. Same as have everybody. Some, yeah. <laughs> right. there's, there's like a lot of COVID related jokes I have right now, and I don't want to do that. So my hope is, is that by the end of 2021, because also I put out an album in 2013, five years in between to 2018, I'd like to get it down to three years in between. Now, I'm not going to rush a product just to put something out there. And unlike a lot of famous comedians who shall remain nameless because they have a lot more power and money than I do, I don't have a writing team that's going to be able to help me put together a new 45 um, like that. But, and because I don't, I don't, some people sit down religiously with a notebook and can just write. I have to have stuff happen. I have to see stuff. I have to observe stuff. And then I can find the humor or the irony in it to create material. Um, so I'm hoping that I can get a third one out. Um, like I'm in a very fortunate position right now. Uh, I'm healthy. Um, my day job is stable. My day job is fantastic. You know, I can go work the road um, if I needed to, but the way with the, with a pandemic of a global <laughs> right. nature going on. I'm like, when people in Buenos Aires are having the same problems as people in Kyoto, Japan, and then some dude in Duluth, Minnesota is like, I feel sick. I'm not really trying to travel. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> right. Like, um, like, I miss the stage and everything else, but I, I want to be safe, yeah. you mm -hmm. know? So for I, I admire every comic that's going out there. I'm not hating on any comic right. that's doing mm -hmm. it. Um, it's just a decision for me right now where I'm like, you know, I'm an only child. You know, I got older family members that I would come into contact with. Um, you know, I hope a club doesn't hold that against me. Um, you know, I don't think I got they will. It's a weird you know, time. I mean, you know, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, because, you know, and that's the thing, too, like with racial stuff going on right now, still in the, all over the place. And it's a very weird time. Like, I don't know if you've seen that meme going around, but it's got like those, it's got four kids' faces. And it says, kids 20 years from now learning that there's a chapter for every month of 2020 in history class. I haven't, um, but I'm sure I could relate to yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's just a crazy situation right now. So one thing I'm going to do to keep up my entertainment is that I'm starting, as I mentioned before, I'm going to start my podcast. I That's what my I was just about to ask you. What is your, um, what's on your horizon? Uh, Tell us about that. So it's going to be called A Tight 45. Because, you know, as a comic, you know, as a, uh, oh, inside the comedian studio, everybody. So when you're an open micer, you get two to three minutes. And then when you get good, you get at least five. And you'll get asked to do a tight five like they did in television on the 70s and 80s when you would do a late night TV appearance. As a feature act, which is the level that I'm at right now at a lot of spots, because I go between feature and headliner, um, you get to uh, do anywhere as minimum of 15, although that's usually not the case anymore, but it's usually 20 to 30. And then as a headliner, you have to do a minimum of 45. So since I'm just starting out and I know that people have short attention spans, anybody that's still listening right now, thank you for hanging in. Um, I want to have my podcast be a tight 45. So um, I've reached out to some of my other comedian friends, uh, some that are doing much bigger things than me, but have, are still nice enough to agree that they'll say they'll do it. Um, I reached out to an underground hip hop producer that I like a lot. Um, I reached out to, I'm not going to say anybody's name until it happens, but um, I have a confirmation so far in the email from a, a former Playboy model who was on a very popular television show in the 1990s. That's all I'll say about that in case it all doesn't right. happen. And, you know, I'm like, they got COVID. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, so working on um, 
couple things, maybe a baseball player and just using my journalism skills along with my comedian skills to be able to have conversations with people um, where they'll be interesting and but not just like the standard questions of like, okay, you were on this TV show. Tell us all about this show you've talked about for the last 10 years, right? you know? And, and I want to have like different people. So I'm reaching out to like comedians, but like athletes, business owners, um, you know, uh, maybe some politicians, maybe some local shop owner. I, I just want it to be a good solid podcast. I don't have take over the world grant delusions of grandeur. <laughs> and there's three, you know, it's just that I just wanted to be like solid, entertaining with a wide, diverse mix, kind of almost like a WTF with Mark Marin with a younger black dude. So you're going right. to get a different perspective because like through this whole, you know, situation right now with all the civil unrest, like I'm a lot of my white friends, you know, black friend, they can talk to without worrying about getting cussed out. Although there are some times where I'm like, I would Rick James you if you were here in person right now. But like, I like to have those conversations with people because I say, here's my thing. I'm trying to leave the world a little bit better than when I came into it, whether that's through comedy, whether that's going to be through this, you know, talk forum, if I get under like serious issues or whatnot, because I used to want to be like Jimmy Stewart and It's a Wonderful Life where no one could say a bad word about me. And as I became an adult, I realized that you're going to piss people off when you're not trying to. And some people, no matter how nice you are to them, they're just not going to like you and appreciate you. So I'm trying to live by what I call the four out of five dentist philosophy. If anybody remembers those commercials from the 80s where it'd be like four out of five dentists recommend, that's the way I'm trying to live my life on stage and off. For every one person that'll be like, I hate Tabari. I want four other people to go, you don't like Tabari? What the hell's wrong with you? Right. So I'm trying to keep, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm trying to keep it majority, you know, working in my favor. So. Sure. Well, that, I you think know. that's the way to be as long, you know, that's, I think that we, that's something we can actually end on is that, you know, we can't please everybody as comedians, right? right. Like there's always going to nope. be somebody after a show that's going to maybe have a problem oh. or something like that. Yeah, but yeah. as long as you, you touch the majority of people, you're good. Yeah, go ahead. Yes. Then we'll ask you oh, where we can find you on yes. social media. No problem. <laughs> so you, you were talking about that one lesson. I just talked about this with somebody last night. One thing that you will learn as a comic is that everybody in that crowd has a buzzword or a topic that when they hear it, their mind is going to go to a specific place because of an experience that they've had that you can't control. I myself do no material about anything sexual assault related. I have seen men and women both go up on stage and do very funny, very poignant sexual assault related material. I, however, do not do that material because I know women that have been sexually assaulted. And I also know that somebody that came out who's worked all week, who's had like a terrible week, maybe a bad boss, bad breakup, Lord knows what else. Right. I don't want her to be, you know. Now, of course, if you're a talented enough comic, you can talk about anything, but there's risk and reward. And for me, the reward of doing jokes about that type of material isn't worth the risk. And, you know, and, it, and and you know, this as a comic, we can have a whole room laughing and we'll fixate on that one person right. that isn't. Right. So, <laughs> you know, like, so like, I don't do sex, I don't do any sexual assault material. Now, racial material, if you don't like my black self saying what I'm saying, well, guess what? You can kiss my, hey, back to your host. 
<laughs> it's, I, I understand, you know, you, it's all about kind of like, uh, I, I understand how you feel about that. Cause there are like, I don't really do a lot of political stuff just because I don't feel like I'm strong enough to do that right now. So I just kind of, especially only being three years in, I kind of pick where, but I mean, your last point makes sense. So yeah. <laughs> Tamari, so, hey everybody. Oh, go ahead. You know. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I remember what your next question was, but hold on. Hold on. We'll do this like Comics Unleashed. Set it up and then I'll knock it out. So where can we find you on social media? Anything like that to keep up on your podcast and things that you have coming up? Yes. Well, I'm so glad you asked that, Molly. (laughs) Um, You can catch me on Instagram at Tabari McCoy. It's T-A-B-A-R-I and then M-C-C-O-Y because people sometimes can't spell McCoy either. Um, I'm on Facebook at Tabari McCoy and Instagram. And here's the thing, everybody. I'm a real person on my social media. And what I mean by that is a lot of comics, they only like tweet jokes. Like I'm on Twitter too. So they only like send out jokes or say, here's what I'm going to be performing. I, I do, I do, I live life on my social media. So like I'm an autograph collector. You can see some of my bingo stuff down here. Um, well, I have, you know, I post my autograph stuff on there. I'm not famous. So I go chase autographs of like some other people that are more famous than me. I've even given a couple of them my albums sometimes. Pac-Man Jones thought it was, he said, that was, he said, it was all right. I'm like, thanks Pac-Man. Um, but, uh, so like, you know, I do that stuff. Like I, you know, I've been working on my yard and my house. So I've been working on like my gardening skills because I'm a single dude and I want women to be like, Ooh, I can work with this one. Uh, so, but. You know, so it's not just comedy. You know, I'll post movie reviews. Um, as of late, my Facebook has turned into me kind of being like, and this is what a black man feels about black things and and non-black America. So, but I don't mean it in like an angry fashion, but I make, my thing is that I, I always get, I want people to think because it's way too easy to fall into the trappings of like yelling. Like one of the things that's been funny for me this right now is watching white people argue with other white people on black people's behalf on Facebook. There's a I lot of like that Michael, going on. <laughs> I, oh, I feel like Michael Jackson with the popcorn. I'm like, oh man, oh, yeah. somebody ain't gonna be over, you know, somebody's not gonna be over for Christmas this year, but yeah. it's just like, you know, but uh, so all my socials are at Tabari McCoy because Tabari is unique enough. Why in the world would I create something new? So Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and then uh, if you use LinkedIn, that's my professional business and there's no funny business there. Oh yes, LinkedIn it is. I the weirdest part about it though is like LinkedIn. So I I hadn't logged into my LinkedIn page in the longest time. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm like interviewing and applying places for, you know, a potentially new day job, it's like so weird because people are like using it as a dating app now. They're like, oh, like well, your profile looks great. Ugh, not LinkedIn. And I here's think the, we're, uh, <laughs> this isn't hinged, okay? <laughs> like I can't handle oh, it. Oh, I hate I hate Hinge, and I would tell you this right now. It's funny you would mention that because I just got a new Facebook dating match, and I'm oh, afraid Jesus. to look at it <laughs> because um, it's it uh, Facebook dating. I first of all, I'm so over Facebook, and I know we're over time, so I'm gonna wrap this up. Oh, you're like, okay. Facebook's like, Facebook's like a necessary evil right now because you know, especially being a comic, you know, I collect stuff and. You know, it's so you use it, but it's kind of like you don't, it's like going to the BMV. You're only there because you feel like you have to be. But Facebook dating, now you know some of the people on your friends list that you're like, we're friends on Facebook, but in real life, eh, eh. like, so imagine now them all trying to find love. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I hope this match works out. 
but uh, I'm like, oh, God. You just introduced me to something new. I didn't even know you could get Facebook matches. I just have been getting, like, random Facebook requests from men, and it's been an interesting time. (laughs) See, here's the thing, and I I joked about it on my Remarkable album about how, like, ladies, you kind of screwed yourselves because nine of you were like, no, and then one of you was like, okay. So the creepy dude is like, I knew it would work out. So for you know, like one of you gave a creepy dude a chance and he just keeps I'm trying not to do the joke but like so one of y'all blew it for the rest of you by giving that creepy dude a shot um so yeah like and this is the thing too we're in the purge at this point in time so there's like what do no we have rules. to lose <laughs> right it's like look it's like look it's like I'm a black dude it's like between police issues and a virus I'm like I'm, you know, I, I'm. I should be shooting my shot every 15 minutes at this point in time because it's like, what's left? It's like, yeah. what is left at this point? There's, there's no rules. So you're an attractive woman and, and, and single with no kids. Oh, oh, your inbox is. Good. You better hope they find a vaccine so dudes will have to go out and creep in the real world again. Or you think your inbox is bad now? Woo! Just let summer keep going on and dudes can't do anything. Oh. I'm telling you right now, it's gonna be you. You might want to start a new MySpace page. Just oh my god, trouble. MySpace. Well, well, uh, and then we'll end on this. But I, I, um, my boyfriend is listed as my boyfriend on Facebook, right? But it was funny because a friend of a friend of his messaged me at like twelve thirty at night and was like, "Hey, how are you?" But he put like an ellipses on the side of it. So I guess like he was embarrassed by it. And then an hour later, messaged me again and was like. Hey, how are you? With a question mark. And he goes, fix the grammar. <laughs> and I was like, man, if we've been quarantined that long that for me to not answer you, it was a, your grammar was off. <laughs> I just, I don't oh, know. Well, <laughs> now you were talking about like writing jokes. I'm sure there's another comic that has talked about it and probably better, but I'm actually, I know there is, but women will never understand as a dude, especially as a dude who tries to do the right thing where we, you know, like, because once again, you'll say something to one woman and she'll be like, that's sweet and charming. And then the next one, they'll have like mace and you're on like, <laughs> you're, defending your, you're defending yourself on Jezebel and all that. But Ooh. like, <laughs> it's, it's so like, it's so hard trying to like, you know, be like, hey, um, I, I, I think that you are an attractive woman. Although I want to respect you as a person because you're not about your looks. But I mean, you are attractive. So I don't want you to feel bad about how you look because your person. It is so difficult. Now, I said, if I had the money, I would open a nightclub and I would call it fourth grade. <laughs> I would. And I would have two separate entrances. But this is how my brain works. So this is how I end up writing jokes. But it's like, this is for real. Like, I would have a club called fourth grade, maybe fifth grade in some later blooming cities. But I would have an entrance for the dudes on one side and an entrance for the women on the other with a giant dance floor in the middle and bars on the opposite sides with waitresses that would take a note to be like, uh, the black dude in the pink and white striped shirt would like to buy you a drink. <laughs> yes, no, or ask again later. And then they could be like, because we just have... Like, that everybody's be a classy dating yeah. service. Who knows? <laughs> I would so, I would so do that. And then once I talked to like my gay and lesbian friends to make sure that I did it in a respectful fashion, so it didn't come off as a hetero cis male trying to. There's, it's just so much right now. I just want to be like, you're cute, and then be like, and run away. Like, all right, like I'm, 
I'm trying not to offend. Like, I have a joke I've been working on about, like, whatever your opinion is, cool. Like, I have no opinion on anything anymore because I'm tired of social media fights with people. Like, I think that dolphins should be able to get married to elephants. And I'd be like, it's going to be a wet wetting. Like, I just want to be supportive. And I'm Keyboard tired of warriors. arguing with people. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh. I, can't, I can't take it. Well, that's what I mean. You know, like 2020, guys, it's been rough, but we got to keep supporting each other. Got to hang in there. Please don't message anybody at 1230 at night and correct your grammar. (laughs) But uh, what you can do is you can support Tabari with his podcast coming up. And you can look at both of his comedy albums, Laughing with the Panther and Remarkable. I personally look them up on Spotify, but you can find it on all streaming services. And you can also yep. follow Tabari on all of his social media pages. But yep. I and Tabari, if they want a signed oh, CD, if they want a signed CD, just find me on social media <laughs> and I'll send you to PayPal because I got to buy Dave Chappelle tickets now. Oh, exactly right. So uh, this is going to be our campaign: help Tabari get to see Dave Chappelle <laughs> and get that CD, get that signed CD. But Tabari, I really I, appreciate yeah. you sitting down with us. Like this is oh. great and. You know, I wish you Ma'am, all the best. I hope everything I gets better it. in Cincinnati. Well, <laughs> well you know, I, I I hope to get a chance to perform in St. Louis. I got to go to a Cardinals game and see the arch. I got yeah. to go to um, I think it's the Blueberry Hill neighborhood. Yeah, uh, over on the on the loop. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you know, I, I I still have some exploring I would like to do. So you know, St. Louis fans, uh, all three of you that I've just made or lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, feel free to hit me up and hopefully I'll be able to perform in a town near you. And if you enjoy this podcast, please tell people about it because there are so many talented people like Molly out there doing things. But if someone doesn't come and doesn't know about it, it'll get lost in the sauce. So share this with someone, won't you? Share it. Share it for me. Share it for Tabari. Just share it for yourself. Just share it. (laughs) Well, thank you, Tabari. I really appreciate it. And have a great rest of your night. Go go casually relax with the other computer. I'm going to do that. (laughs) I know. I got the pajama pants on. I'm ready. (laughs) Well, have a good night, sir. We will see you soon, hopefully, when this is all done. (laughs) Bye. Goodbye. (laughs)